chocolates, right? <laughs> you all remember that? Great to be with you today. My, you all came back. That's great. Thank you. Praise the Lord. The message today, Lord's Dress Code, Part 2. You have your bulletin with you today. You'll see an outline of what a centurion looked like with that armor on there. Kind of help you through the message today. Last, uh, last week after church, some people came to me and we said, wow, we get out of here 10 minutes early today. I said, well, don't count on it next Sunday. Because <laughs> I'm going to make up for that 10 minutes. <laughs> In doing so, I want to share with you something that I, uh, I, that I found uh, years ago in my ministry. Uh, there was a pastor who liked to interview his kids. <clears throat> and he gave them the opportunity to send him a note telling me what you think about things, what you think about the church, and so on and so forth. And I just want to share some of these letters with you this morning, kind of give you some insight into the perspective of my message today. First one says, Dear Pastor, I like to go to church when there's something better, not something better to do. That was Teddy, age 10. I like to go to church when there's not, except when there's something better to do. The next one says, Dear Pastor, my mother says the church is 150 years old. You certainly don't look that old to me. Lisa, age nine. I want to I share with Lisa that no, the church is over 2,000 years old. And then finally, Dear Pastor, I'm, I'm a very religious person. And I never do anything bad on Sunday. That was Roger, age seven. For those of us who have enlisted in the Lord's army, <clears throat> we're going to let the Apostle Paul today kind of remind us that we have either put on the Lord's dress code or we are possibly going to be reminded that we need to. So to begin with, let me alert you of an event happening today that you may or may not be interested in. It's called the Super Bowl of football. Last week, we had a military tone to the message. Today, we're going to have an athletic tone to it. The point being is that the two teams who have qualified to compete in the Super Bowl of all football games are strictly required and expected to wear certain equipment, certain required clothing, and certainly certain specific colors. No one, on, no one on either team will be permitted to dress as they desire. At least when it comes to the basic dress code. If they want to be in the game. What does the specific dress code of the, of the NFL provide anyway? Well, it provides, first of all, protection. Protection for everyone that's in the game. Secondly, a specific required dress code provides identity. And third, a specific required dress code eliminates individuality. The only way a member of one of the teams today will rise above the others on that team is in their performance of their assignment. It will not be because of the way they look. With that said, let's see how these last three pieces 
of the Lord's specific required dress code will help. Will help those who have enlisted in the Lord's army and who bear the name Christian. Turn with me, if you would, to Ephesians chapter 6. And I want to begin with verse 10, just to, through 18, just to kind of keep it in context. <clears throat> Ephesians chapter 6, beginning with verse 10. This word, finally, that Paul uses, it means that he's already told them so many things that they need to correct in their lives or change in their lives or be alert of in their lives as a spiritual being. And he finally, he says, like it's the last thing I'm, I, I can tell you. Finally, be strong in the Lord and his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. Well, our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but it's against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. We're in a battle and it's a spiritual battle. Therefore, he says, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you've done everything to stand, stand firm still, then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. Now here's part two. In addition to all of that, Take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Then take up the helmet of salvation, the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And pray, pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests with this in mind. Be alert. Be alert. Always keep on praying for all the saints. And here we are today. The fourth piece of this Lord's dress code is found in verse 16, the shield of faith. Now the first, the first thing a person might say, if they are new in the army of the Lord, or maybe they have been on the team for some time, is, I, Larry, I really don't have any faith. At least I don't think so. Let me say, emphatically, that is an untruth from the devil himself, the father of lies. Romans chapter 12, verse 3, refutes that untruth with these words, and I quote, we have all, not just a few, not just if you preach, not just if you do this or do that. We have all been given a measure of faith. Now, with that being from the belt of truth, the word of God, the question then is not whether you have any faith. The question is, what are you going to do with the faith you have been given by your creator? You have faith. You have faith. Maybe you lack teaching. Maybe you lack confidence. But you have faith. I can tell you right now, if any player on one of the teams today in that Super Bowl went up to their coach before the kickoff and said, Coach, I, I have no faith. 
I have no confidence in what you expect of me. <laughs> you would not be in the game. Is that right, Ed? With no confidence in what protects us, with no confidence in what protects us spiritually, our shield of faith, we are open and we are vulnerable to every attack from our one and only enemy. You see, he can take a shot at us anytime he has opportunity if we're not prepared. The fifth piece of the Lord's dress code is found in verse 17. This helmet of salvation. I love this one. I can, I can remember as a kid, uh, man, I wanted a football helmet as a, as a child. And my dad got me one of my favorite team, the Los Angeles Rams. And I remember that. I can remember how that thing even smelled. But I wore that, that blue helmet with those gold uh, ram's horns on the sides. Everybody in the neighborhood knew who my favorite team was. I had identity by wearing that helmet. The helmet of salvation may be just another of the most important pieces of the Lord's dress code. Lately, a lot of attention has been given to the helmets worn by football players due to the increasing injuries to a player's head with concussions and even worse. Again, for the Roman centurion, it was their helmet. It was their helmet that gave them not only identity, but it gave them protection. Notice the little red plume on the top of that helmet. Every legion, every brigade, every different outfit of the uh, Roman centurions had different colored plumes and it identified what group they were in, what team they were on. Identity comes from the helmet of salvation. The protection is obvious, but so too is the identity. Just as a football team's helmet is decorated in various ways to help identify the, church, the team as a whole. The helmet of salvation also displays as well as requires confidence in our salvation. The helmet of salvation. It requires confidence provided by the Lord Jesus Christ by his death on the cross and, the res and his resurrection of everlasting life. There is no way to be in this game hoping for the best. Absolute confidence of one's salvation is represented by this helmet. This confidence in one's salvation is displayed in, a way, in the ways that we act. It's displayed in the ways that we talk. It's displayed in the ways that we serve our Lord and Master. It's in, displayed in so many ways. You see, we will be known by our actions. We will be known by our confidence in our own salvation. Anyone wanting to join a football team wearing a different style or decorated helmet will not be on the team. And so it is with joining the Lord's army. It's only one Redemptive salvation, and it's through Jesus Christ. If Bill was here, he'd say amen, wouldn't he? 
The only football game that I know of that allows you, uh, each player, to wear the helmet of their particular college of their past is the Senior Bowl. And I watched that for a little bit last uh, couple weeks ago, and I got bored with it. I think it looks strange as well as confusing to have the players out there with different colored, different design. It's the way it is. There's no identity. Our salvation and the way we have confidence in it is our identity in the rest of this world. The sixth and the final place of equipment, piece of equipment in the Lord's dress code is found in verse 17. This one I love, the sword of the spirit. This is simply the word of God. That's all it is. It's the word of God, scripture. It's the Bible that only sometimes decorates the living room coffee table. Or in some secluded drawer somewhere. Or on a shelf in the house gathering dust. That is the sword of the spirit. I'm reminded... Uh, of one of the congregations that Gloria and I served in over the years. And they had this wonderful way of inspiring me when I was preaching. Like none of the others. Whenever I would say, turn with me to a certain chapter or verse in your Bible. I could hear the pages turning all over the building. They actually came to worship. They actually came to worship with their Bibles, with their sword of the Spirit. They actually used it. Nowadays, it's really immaterial, I suppose, how a person gets to the Word of God with all the iPhones, iPads, and who knows what else. As long as they get there, as long as they have the sword of the Spirit and they trust it all the way. The Bereans, if you know about the Bereans back in the book of Acts. This was a, a group of believers that they fact-checked every teacher, every, everyone who comes through town teaching. They fact-checked them with the scriptures. Not with their knowledge. Not with their experiences. Not with their own doctrines or their denominations. They fact-checked them with the scriptures. They only relied on and they trusted the scriptures for the truth. Back to the Lord's dress code, the, this Roman centurion sword. Is there a picture of that up there? It was. Put that other one back up. I want to see that sword. There you go, down there. That sword was uh, double-edged, if you notice which provided the soldier the ability to swing that weapon back and forth with accurate effectiveness. Left or right, it didn't matter where the attack came from. So it is with God's word. So it is with the sword of the spirit. Its accuracy and its effectiveness are divine. And it's forever. We have confidence in the effectiveness of God's word. Confidence in how effective it is. Against the schemes of our enemy. For every born again follower of Christ. 
Just as a football player must have confidence in the game plan put together by the coach. I thought of you, Ed, when I was thinking of these thoughts here. I'm gonna, I, I'm gonna step out on a limb here for just a minute. Identity, I believe, is one of the most important aspects of a Christian's life, in my opinion. I, I, I may not be, I may not ever be asked to preach here again because of what I want to share with you. Now, that got your attention, didn't it? Yeah. Because I know of a scripture in the book of Hebrews in the New Testament. Because I know of that scripture, I'm going to say something that only came to me as recent as yesterday morning when I was going over my sermon notes. The scripture is found in chapter 10, verse 25. Let us not give up the assembling together as it is a habit of others. Let us come and encourage one another. The writer of Hebrews writing to the church there, writing to Christians. The thought and the words were so clear and urgent that I'm convinced the Holy Spirit was urging me to be bold about this. Because the helmet of salvation has to do with the born again follower of Jesus Christ's identity. I am positive without a doubt that the recent COVID pandemic has allowed the church to go into what I call secret service mode. Where a Christian's true identity has been neutralized and hidden. I understand there were a lot of good things that came out of that period, but I'm talking about this spiritual battle that we're in. Because of the helmet of salvation has to do with the born-again follower of Jesus Christ's identity, I am positive. I understand when a person is physically impaired or unable to attend a place of worship that the transmitting of the video into our homes can be a very helpful and uplifting time. I experienced that myself. But because I believe, I believe the pandemic weakens, weakened and caused the church to become lazy, unattached. Our identity, you see, our identity with Christ is in peril. If we go it alone. This fine facility of ours, as you look around, when empty, when the lights are out, is not the church. It is where the church comes to worship. It is where the church comes to fellowship. It is where the church comes to give of our offerings. It is where the church comes to share in communion together. It is where the church comes to hear messages of encouragement. Let us not. Let us not give up as it is a habit of others. And we come together like this to strengthen our identity in Christ. We are one in him. This fine facility, this building... Is where we come to get our marching orders in the Lord's army. 
It is our spiritual trauma center. Where we at times we come to be healed of the devil's attack on us. I've said this only to emphasize the need for all of us to maintain our identity and our salvation with Jesus Christ and share it with others. My confidence and my salvation encourages others. I know that. Right, Chris? Right, Jimmy Cunningham? You bet. By the way, Jimmy's not with us today because he's at his grandson's baptism. Wow. I can remember a month or so ago when I baptized Jimmy, he said to me afterwards, I, want, I said, what do you want to do now? He says, I want to be an example to my family. Gee. His identity is working. The military soldier, the sailor, or the airman must also have confidence in the battle plan that's put together by their superiors. So too, the born-again believer in Jesus Christ must have, we must have without a doubt, without debate, without delay, confidence in the Word of God. confidence in their faith in God's word. We are to be absolutely assured of our salvation, which is, which is through Jesus Christ, no matter what. We are to be knowledgeable. We are to be knowledgeable and trusting and obedient to the word of God. Why, you ask? Well, I'm glad you asked. <laughs> it's because our faith in God's word, our protection, shields us from the devil's attempts to do us harm. If we draw near to God, James says, guess what? The devil flees. Change my heart, O oh God. Because our assurance and confidence in God's salvation. Again, it's our protection, that helmet. And our identity with Jesus Christ provides us as well as enables us through our life into eternal life. When I see people that are entering into their eternal life and they do it with confidence. Wow. What a witness that is. Because our knowledge and obedience to God's word, the sword of the spirit, our weapon, it, it'll, it'll see us through victory after victory in our spiritual battle. For sure, Philippians chapter 4, verse 13. It says that we can do all things through Christ who gives us strength. But just remember, Paul is referring to all good things. Christ doesn't give us the strength to use the words we use sometimes. Or the actions that we get involved with sometimes. Or the desires we have. Christ doesn't give us the power to do that. 
And if you read between the lines of that passage, like I do, the Spirit of God is also saying, my promises are true for you. Just don't do anything stupid. (laughs) Such as mock him, deny him, mortify him instead of glorify him, ignore him. Or, in our culture today, try to cancel him out. So with that said, let's do a quick review of the Lord's dress code for those who would enlist in this army and be called Christian. Number one, we talked about the belt of truth last week. Having God's word surrounding us tightly. Surrounding our hearts on the tip of our tongue, God's word. The other one was that breastplate of righteousness, that frontal cover, simply means being right with God. That's all that's referring to. Be right with God, not with the world. Ultimate protection of our vital spiritual organs, our mind, our soul, our heart. The third one was be fitted with the good news of the God's eternal peace, not the world's temporary or negotiated peace. God's peace is eternal. Be tossed around like a wave in the wind, the world's peace, and then gone forever. <clears throat> Today we talked about the shield of faith, which is it's a movable part of our armor. It can protect us from the devil's schemes that come at us from every angle. From the right or the left or the center or wherever. Spiritually speaking. And then the helmet of salvation not only protects us from the the devil's attack, but as important, it gives us our identity. Our salvation and our confidence in it gives us our identity of who we are. The word Christian means Christ-like. Finally, the, the sword of the Spirit, our Bibles. The only weapon issued by our God to use in vanquishing the devil and his attempts to take us hostage into his darkness. It's the only weapon, the sword of the Spirit. It's the only weapon he had. You know, for sure, hell is... Not only a warm place, but it's a totally dark place. Separated from God's love forever. This protects us from that. Now, if any of these six pieces of the Lord's dress code are missing in your life, or maybe just a bit stagnant, Have someone pray with you today. Our prayer corner over there is is welcoming anyone who needs prayer. One of the elders will be there today to pray with you. If the line gets too long, you come see me, I'll pray with you. But we need to be praying for people. We need to be, people need to be asking for prayer You see, this is the day of salvation today. 
Scripture says this is the day of salvation, not tomorrow, not a week from now, not a month from now when we get all of our ducks lined up, we think. See, that was the problem with Nicodemus. All of his spiritual religious ducks were lined up for sure, but there was a void in his heart and his life and he knew it. And he came to Jesus by night. What must I do? Today's the day of salvation. Today's the day to renew your salvation. To gain confidence in it. Because tomorrow we, we have really no assurance of tomorrow. Our life is just a vapor. James says it, you know. However long that may be. Join with Dick and his wife over there this morning if you, if you see fit in your life to pray about your armor. Which one needs help? Is it that shield that protects you? Is it that breastplate of righteousness? Is it that belt of truth? Maybe truth is something that's fleeting in your life. Whatever it is. Pray to the living God about it. As we close this morning, uh, Kathy's going to come and the worship team will be up here in just a second. And, but after we're closed today, after we're done today, uh, be sure to join back there. Let us, let us assemble together. Why? To encourage one another. That's why we're here today. That's why we should always be here, is to find somebody to encourage let me pray.